2: Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for January 19th, 2021. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can subscribe to the show on the Voices of Wrestling Network feed or our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open VoiceGate. If you'd like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing page. Just click the link that says sponsor this podcast and you can do a one-time or reoccurring donation no obligation whatsoever, but we'd like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts, it's your old pal, Aaron Mike Spears, joined as always by my friend and co-host, Case Slow. In Case, after how crazy that last week was, it's kind of going to be a slow, or really the last few months, it's going to be kind of a slow February out in front of us and a slow end of January as well, as we only really have one show to talk about this week. But how are you doing, bud?
1: You know, Mike, I got my first COVID test ever today. And it was so unpleasant it was it was shockingly unpleasant. It was the stick up the nose and luckily, the college I go to is providing free, rapid testing throughout the semester, and I believe in the email they said it is going to extend to the fall, but that will not concern me as I will no longer be a student. But the stick up the nose test was as unpleasant of an experience as I've ever had before. I kind of yelled a little bit because I wasn't expecting him to go that far up into my brain. Eyes got watery immediately. Just felt an immense uh, pain in my left nostril for about 10 minutes. And then I tested negative. So all good on my end. and, And that has been... What has been keeping me going today, I apologize to the listeners. I apologize to Mike for missing last week. I uh, had a very long week, a move into a new studio apartment, and I'm, 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 you know, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the tests are
2: something that now I feel like there's almost like everyone has like a commiseration about the tests because I, I assume since it was a rapid. It was an antigenal one, not the PCR
1: that goes above my pay grade all i know is that i walked into a building they told me where to sit what to do and then i found out i tested negative
2: you, you know because i've done both of them like i've done the the rapid test and i've done the pcr one and it's such like a bizarre feeling that i feel like that now everyone is like yeah no you go get your brain tickled it's wild it it, it sucks and then you know like hopefully you test negative and it's just like all the all the oh god for the next like however long it is and yeah, it's just one of those I- th-
1: I can't imagine doing, like, the two- to three-day wait because, you know, I've I've said it on this podcast. I've taken COVID very seriously from the start. I think I'm one of the few in my age range that really has. But I was moving this weekend. It was around, you know, various amounts of people with masks on at the very least. But that 10 minutes of worrying of, like, oh, God, like, what if I do have it? It was was awful. And, you know, I— I should have been tested probably uh, before I came home for Christmas, but I did spend a legit 10 days in isolation before I went home. And uh I am glad I ripped the band-aid off at least of saying now I have my COVID test story and I, I know I'll have to get tested more and more for school as I'll be on campus a little bit this semester in a teacher's or in a uh, yeah, in a teacher's assistant position. I am educating the youth of tomorrow. Very exciting for me. Uh but yeah, the test is Awful, And I, I just wanted to extend my condolences to every other listener that has been poked in the brain over the last calendar year.
2: Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's something that, I mean, I've done it when I have done the whole quarantine and then traveled. And I have done, and it's just one of those things that, like, you you, you just kind of... At a certain point, I'm like, you know what, I should do this beforehand just in case, and then I'll do it afterhand and all of that. And you just kind of it, – it's one of those things that it was actually – and, and and you know what, I'll, I'll tell the story because it, it is, I, I think, a little – I think this is funny and in, in kind of the morbid humor that I think I'll, that it takes it through this. So the first time I got my test was before I went on a drive. Uh, I knew I was going to do a drive. I knew I would be coming into contact with people even though I'd be masked up. They just want to kind of make sure of that. And then I knew afterwards when I got back, a test, anyways. And the place I got tested at also did all kinds of other testing. It wasn't like a dedicated COVID center. And we were waiting, and someone came in, and they were sitting there for, like, a while. And the the person at the reception was like, oh, why are you here? And, and, and this person, bless their hearts, said, oh, I'm here for an STD test. And they're like, oh, no, this side is for COVID. You need to go on the other side for that test. And I'm just like, oh, that is more <laughs> – just like – one of those things that I was just like uh, I, I get terrible secondhand emb- embarrassment. Case like oh, yeah. it's one of those, it's one of those things that like a lot of reality shows I can't watch, L- like the dating reality shows, other than Temptation Island, cannot watch them because I get terrible secondhand embarrassment. But like I felt for this person very deeply in that moment.
1: I was talking to my uh, ex girlfriend last night, long conversation with her. Won't go into the details there, but we're, we're approaching a year in the pandemic. Obviously. And, you know, to say that I don't remember life before this would be too dramatic, but I was talking to her about just the fact that there's going to be a learning curve of readjusting myself to society and some people like you and me that haven't, you know, haven't been social in a year now. It's I think it's going to like take me a minute to just get back in the swing of things because I just I'm very used to this lifestyle now and it's not that I like it but I'm very used to it and you know there's kind of a light at the end of the tunnel like oh well we have a vaccine now when I get it who knows Mike is in a in a different age bracket so you know have fun getting it by Christmas no I'm not calling you old I'm just I'm saying you get the short end of the stick here so so we'll see but you know I I would love in, in 2022 to take open the voice get on the road and do some some uh, live recordings in front of a large amount of people
2: <laughs> I, I I mean going to Kobe world 2022 and hosting the English or the, the the Western fan show I feel like would be a peak goal and maybe then I could finally get my toss with uh with Masato Yoshino I could have well, a catch what's with them the,
1: um what's the mark convention that they did before all in and all out Starcast is that what that Sarcast, was
2: yes can we Sarcast. can we get
1: a fucking Booth at Starcast and talk, you know, drangate to eleven people that care. I know they'll want their pictures with Sonny or whoever else is is there. Uh, Edge will tell a story about one time when he planned a spot in the TLC match, and two hundred people will show up to that. But can we not get the open the voice gate guys a booth at that 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 uh, Mark convention?
2: Hey, I, I I you could contact us if you would like to have things read on the show, and if Conrad, you, you can slide into our DMs. Our DMs are open. You know, l- l- let's make some deals.
1: Yeah, I if it's a business acquisition, Con- Conrad, you can't slide to the DMs. That's, I'm more than okay <laughs> with that.
2: <laughs> so this week, uh, there was only one show. It was the monthly hometown show, Kobe Sambo Hall. We're going to talk a little bit about how the unit shuffle kind of is playing out. Talk about the injured list, and we'll touch on who we thought we won the week. But in case, because of all the craziness of the last week, uh, I flew solo. But I wanted to get your thoughts on... It was a crazy week that they had with the kickoff week and Kyoto Osaka, and then the that Corkin double shot. And I know that you have your review for the first Corkin with the prohibitive favorite right now, Dragon Gate match of the year, the Twin Gate match. But I was wondering what other thoughts you had of the first week of Dragon Gate's twenty twenty one.
1: Really good week, and my big takeaway from it. and I won't spend too long talking about last week because I know we, you know, Mike covered it extensively last week on the show. But La Estrella who was good in his debut when he debuted in the middle of December, but he was also wrestling Susumu Yokosuka. And congratulations, I think Mike and I could have a good match with Susumu if we were given, you know, 30 minutes to stretch and 20 minutes to pray and, you know, another 10 minutes of Susumu beating us up, and it would be an all right match. But he is progressing so quickly, it's unbelievable because not only are his signature spots getting a reaction now, whether it be the Sugi-esque rope-running dropkick or the moonsault to the floor that he's doing off the middle rope, which is just absolutely mind-blowing every time he does it, but I mentioned in his debut, you know, he's, he's someone that is really... That in his debut match was really bare bones. In the middle of things, he was struggling with the transitional aspect of wrestling. It was move, 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 but the in between lacked any sort of character development, any sort of charisma, any sort of thing to string along those matches. And it seems like in a month's time, he's he's figured that out. And now, assuming he stays healthy, as there is a nasty in- nasty injury bug going around Dragon Gate assuming he stays healthy he's only going to improve so it seems like dragon gate has yet another young guy that they can count on and depend on to deliver and he was in big matches in that first week and it was great to see because i thought his match in kyoto on the ninth was the best match on that show and then night two of cork and hall which mike reviewed over at voices of wrestling.com i have not shared my opinions on it uh, for the most part, I, I, I echo Mike. He was a little bit higher on that Yamato versus Dragon Kid match than I was. But I thought the R.E.D. versus Masquerade match on that and Hall show was terrific. And I thought La Estrella was the highlight of the match.
2: It's something with him, and I know that he was your winner of last week. Uh, it's something that with Astrea that we threw the Sugi comp on him. And it's almost a disservice to him with how quickly he's progressed and now, like, are there the moments that I'm like, oh, God, this kid could crash and die and break his neck? Yes, there are. But hey, the thing that I've really noticed over the last month that he's been on the roster, and now he's really only been one month an active wrestler, he has really just gotten so crisp with everything. The Libra uh, flash pin looks a lot better than it did against Asumu, and it's something where this Masquerade versus R.E.D. match, is. it's something that, like, if there were... A WrestleMania weekend that there could be some sort of dragon gate participation. I would bring the Red versus Masquerade uh, eight man tag there just because of how like spectacular these matches have been. Like you could do a short version as we saw in Corkin, or they could go twenty five minutes and it would be riveting. And it's something where it's it, it's kind of remarkable, like knowing where how we thought about SB Kento out of the gate and then Kakuta and Kame. Australia maybe has taken more steps forward at a faster rate than the entire the rest of his uh, his gym class. To be honest,
1: so. If you're, Mike, let's put yourself in the position of being an American promoter right now, which I know is not a, an enviable position, <laughs> but let's do it for just a second. Let's role play. G-
2: g- give us an hour on this uh, terrible idea of a GCW 24 hour telethon. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. God, I'm already upset about that show and it hasn't happened yet. But. If you're bringing the Dragon Gate guys over, whether it's the existing partnership with MLW that was supposed to begin taking place last year, but obviously the pandemic halted it, or your ex-promotion running WrestleMania weekend, and now that not only is Dragon Gate USA out of the picture, but Gabe Sapolsky is out of independent wrestling, you want to bring back the Dragon Gate six-man To America, because you think this product is hot. You've seen the way that New Japan can take off in America, and maybe you're not expecting those results, but you're expecting something to occur uh, with Americans falling in love with this town all over again. Right now, in January of 2021, if you're booking the Dragon Gate Six Man Coming to America, what match do you think is going to get American fans invested the most? I think...
2: You'd want to do something both representative of the promotion, but also the idea of "Holy crap, these guys are doing something completely different from anyone else," right? Yeah, like that—that would be the conceit. And I think—and we're just going to stick this stick to the traditional WrestleMania six man with this match. Yes. Okay, so Masquerade versus Red. Masquerade, I'd be bringing Shun, Jason Lee, and Estrella. Red. Ata, Kaido, Ishida, and SB kenta.
1: Kenta. If I said Dragon Daya was healthy, does that change your answer at all?
2: Yeah, then I would sub in Australia for Dragon Daya.
1: Okay, interesting. I, I, I think in terms of our unit alignment, I think we're on the same page. I would rather have these two teams go at it than anyone from Natural Vibes, and for as much as I like a lot of the veterans, etc., I think right now the match would be Masquerade versus RED. And I'll talk a lot about Masquerade on this show. I'm really impressed with some of their stuff they're doing. I think for me, if I'm looking to capture that American audience, I'm looking at Skywalker, Daya, and Estrella versus Ashita Espikento and Hip Hop Kakuta. And I think that match would get over uh, with any reasonable crowd in the country. I think that would be a huge hit. You you, you know, like... I would want to have Ada
2: kind of as the ring general, but I totally get the idea that you'd you'd basically be doing, hey, everyone in this match is under the age of 25, which rocks so
1: yeah, because I I think at this point, Ishida can handle that ring general role and I kind of think Skywalker is is good enough to survive in that position. Now, he might not thrive in that position, but he will do all right. And I do think Daya has progressed to the point where he's not the high spot machine that maybe we had initially pegged him as, whereas I think he is someone that can kind of take control and command a match if he needs to. And then you've got a guy like stray in there, and I say, you know... I mean, that rope-running dropkick, Mike, if you put that in front of a a spring break-type crowd or just any reasonable crowd on a WrestleMania weekend, I don't think there's a guy on the indies doing that spot, and if they do it, they probably don't do it as well as Estrella does. That's one that blows up in gifts, and I, I think you get the whole crowd on your feet with a move like that. So I, at this point, if I really wanted to make a splash in America, I kind of think Estrella has to be in those plans because I think he is I don't know if you would call it the if you if you want to compare it to the blood generation versus do fixer match from 2006 I think the two guys that stole the show there were Yoshino because of his speed and Dragon Kid because of his aerial ability and I kind of think Estrella fits one of those roles.
2: No, that that's entirely fair. That's entirely fair. I mean, I'm just all in on Jason Lee right now. So maybe that's why I'd I, want to have
1: I I look, Jason Lee It's funny that he wrestled Rich Swan in the Cruiserweight Classic to me because the comparison I keep on making to Jason Lee is that, and it actually lines up with what we're talking about on the Dragnet USA Rewind and Rewatch series now, is the last year that Swan was on the Indies, last year and a half, I thought he was as technically proficient as anyone in the world. I mean, he wasn't put in the position to have match of the year contenders, but... Oh my god. I mean that guy just did everything well. He could get a good match out of anybody and time after time he had great matches. I know I know Dave uh, at least as of the time we're recording this, is aware of the Twin Gate match from Corkin and has not watched it yet. I know I was just reading an old observer from July of 2013 where Dave has this paragraph. He's reviewing Kobe World, and he goes on and on about how talented Rich Swan is and how Ricochet might be a little bit, you know, uh, might project more star power, but Swan is just as charismatic and is just as athletic. And so, you know, I I would like to... Think my argument is bolstered by Meltzer? Agree with, agreeing with me to some extent. I see a lot of the consistency that Rich Swan brought to the table in Jason Lee right now. With the difference being that I think Jason Lee is actually getting more opportunities than Swan ever did.
2: Yeah, I mean, like it, it's something where Swan was slotted at a certain thing. He was never considered a full time roster member, whereas Jason Lee is a full time roster member, and I feel like that that's a difference as well. Like, but but I do see the comp you're throwing on that. That makes all sense to me.
1: Yeah, Lee's contracted talent. He got that contract in 2019. 29- yeah, 2019. He showed up, and I, just, I remember Lee showing up because it was at a really down point in Dragon Gate. And the first match was like, oh, this guy's really different. It's, you know, I'm glad he's making an impression in his first match, and then very quickly it went to, oh, no, Jason Lee's super, super good, and it's a testament Mm -hmm. to the Dragon Gate style because everybody that goes over there gets better, and Lee was, you know, okay going in and then became great like he is now.
2: Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and it's something that it's truly remarkable, and it's something that I've really enjoyed watching him progress, especially over the last seven months where he's been given the platform there. It's just remarkable stuff from him.
1: We knew we knew if he ever got the position that he'd be as good as he is. And it's, you know, not even in a in a back padding way to say it's nice to be right about this. It's nice to be right because now we're seeing Jason Lee fulfill his potential. And it's great to see.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. So, speaking of Jason Lee, speaking of Masquerade, let's get into this Kobe Sambal Hall show. It was their return to Kobe Sambal Hall after being there three weeks ago, basically, and for their end-of-the-year show. It was on the 17th. It'll be on the network until the 24th. Attendance was down 10, but it was still at 380, which, given everything going on in Japan right now, especially the state of emergencies that have been happening, pretty remarkable and off the top case this is a show that i i'm not going to ever do my kobe Samba hall complaining again because there was so much on this show that even if the matches didn't peak as high as some of the stuff from the week previous there was so much stuff going on this show that it came out to be just like a really enjoyable two and a half hours in my mind what was your thought overall
1: really really easy to watch show that i i'm almost disappointed that the the stuff at the end didn't catch on to perhaps a I, I don't know if the term I want to use is a more viral degree, but I kind of wish that would have been spread around a little bit more because I thought it was so entertaining. But you know, there was some stuff in here that I didn't love that we'll talk about. There was some stuff that is certainly tested my patience. But for two hours, and I thought the main event was great. I went four stars on it. I I can't complain about this show at all.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I I I think we probably have the same opinions about the stuff that is testing our patience. So the show opened like before even they did the uh, initial like MC intro stuff for a moment of silence for the Henshin earthquake in 1995 this happened on that date and of course like this was a earthquake that affected Kobe Japan really effectively it was something that up to 6000 and uh 434 people passed away 4000 of them were from Kobe and that Kobe was the one that was really uh hit by it it was the one of the most powerful earthquakes in japan over the 20th century so they had a moment for that and then after that we had a team boku tag it was ryo Saito and punch Tomonaga versus ultimo and bokudemo dragon they had masato yoshino come out to do the team boku opening chat of which he was just I, I think that they just wanted it. I think Masato Yoshino just enjoys it the Bokudamo act so much they're like hey you're already here you're not wrestling tonight so why don't you come out and talk for a little bit and watch this thing because he was at the ringside table and I've never seen someone that he wasn't like he was cracking up he just had a constant smile on his face during this match uh, they basically ran back the match at in cork and the Double Dragon team won in 11 minutes and 13 seconds with simultaneous Lob Maga Straw cradles over Saito and Punch Somanaga.
1: The Double Cradle will pop me every single time they do it. I just I just think it's super funny. I have the same reaction that Yoshino has when he watches it that Doi had in Hokkaido when he was cracking up at the beginning of December. The act, if it extends... You, through, I, you know, maybe Kobe world is my tentative cutoff for this. I think the act at some point can and likely will overstay its welcome, but it's a harmless opener and, and it gives Shimizu something to do, which is nice. Is he a main event player? Like I'd like, he, you know, like I, I'd like him to be no, but not everybody could be in the main event. At least he's not just doing the random eight man tag on every show. This is something for him to do
2: yeah yeah and after the match ultimo uh told yoshino like how many times he's had i had to team with Bokuto, and then uh basically yoshino said hey uh i think we should just like have this happen so everyone in the country can see this and then you know you don't have to do this anymore and Ultimo was like well you are my favorite student so i guess so but yeah i, I it's something where this has a lifespan and it's something where if this gets too deep into the hot season i'd be surprised like this is clearly like uh keeping uh shimizu busy like thing and if anything i think the crowd kind of is becoming more endeared to him through this act but eventually there will be the the point where he kind of snaps out of it and shot put slams someone and he'll be back as shimizu one way or another
1: just like ray and psychosis or punk and cabana or osprey and Skrull. i like that the Ultimo tandem is now the touring match in the Gate universe. It is on that uh, illustrious list of touring the country, if not the globe with this pairing, more power to them, to them for pulling that off.
2: Yeah. It, 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 it's something that, that my heart has warmed up to this act. And especially with Ultimo just begrudgingly doing this. Like, do you think Ultimo thought 18 months ago that when he returned to the company, he'd be wrestling with Shimizu and who would be doing a parody, uh, act to his character for most of his time like do you think that this this thought even like crossed Ultimo's mind that he'd be doing shtick in the openers
1: well I don't know if it crossed his mind but I am so delighted that this is the way things have gone because like we talked about at length on this show and I, I especially mentioned it in my reviews at the time my big fear when Ultimo came in was that it was going to be you know Ultimo versus Yamato for the Dreamgate belt, and they do a DQ finish because Ultimo wouldn't lose. Because we had 15 years of history with Ultimo in the wilderness, let alone the five years that he was in Toriyama. It's like, hey, sometimes this guy has an ego that goes pretty unchecked. But the fact that, with the exception of a few minor flubs when he first came into the company on a full-time basis, he's been doing largely comedy stuff. I mean, wasn't even in the Unit Dispance match in December for the Toriumon generation, you know, was kept in the undercard there. This is exactly what I wanted from him. This endears me to Ultimo so much more.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it's something where... I, the more I watch it, I could tell like it's something that's also good use for him considering his age and what Ultimo would do in like a high stakes uh, situation. And, and what he does like when he's like a, f- a focus on things, he could do this in the opener. It'd be fine. It is not actively bringing down the cards, and if anything, it adds a lot of flavor to the shows. that I'm really enjoying.
1: Yeah, I would. I would so much rather watch this than Ultimo challenging for. The Guyora TV title or the All Japan Junior heavyweight belt or whatever else he was doing. Like, this is what I want from him at this point in his career. Absolutely. And then talking about things that people want,
2: Case, when this match was announced, this is a Mike Spear special singles match that we had next. It was KZ versus UT with a 15 minute time limit draw. And what you could probably guess, Case, this was my match of the night. I was just enthralled by this, but I was wondering what your thoughts were of this.
1: I'm just so annoyed that the people that would like this match the most are the people that will never even consider watching it. Because I was so impressed with the way they built this match. I mean, it it was steadily built. I will say that the the thing, the point that I'm trying to get across is I don't remember them doing any what I would call high spots. I mean, every time KZ went for a dive off the top rope, UT had a counter for it, so it would kind of become a moot point. It was just this intense grappling that I really enjoy. Obviously, you really enjoy. It's stuff that I feel like maybe some people that are more familiar with my takes i'm painted in an unfair light of you know being anti-grappling or whatever i just i don't like guys sitting in fujuar arm bars with blank expressions on their face but this is i this is professional wrestling this match was outstanding
2: and it's something where you, you you watch someone like ut with kz and it's something that like takes you back to like remember oh kz did spend about six months in mexico he did basically train with skyda for six months and you got to see some Yahweh holds that actually looks like good Yahweh, not the stuff that they talk about that in Helico does. Like this actually felt like actual, like grappling. And then you, you got a little bit of like a European influence, which I know that for someone that had a significant role in both of their training and Super Shisa, that that was an influence there. And there was one moment where I think it was the two minute time call. So they did their calls at 5 10 in three to one in 30 seconds but a two-minute call uh UT had KZ in a submission and he heard the time call and he immediately rotated it over to a crucifix hole to try to get a pinfold I thought was just it's something that you don't notice in these matches are going to a time limit draw is a sense of urgency but UT kind of took a hold uh took the bull by its horns was like no I I want to win this match and the submission isn't working I have to get out of here with a uh pinfall and i'm going to change my strategy to do that and i thought that was a really brilliant just psychological thing that again like the people who would probably most enjoy this match more than us aren't the people watching this and it's kind of frustrating in that regard because that was brilliant
1: i went three and a half on it it is in the good not great category but it is such a smart match i mean this is the kind of stuff that i kind of was trying showcased more and You know, we had the UT versus Shisa match in 2019 that Mike and I loved that was on Prime Zone. We've got stuff like this. I mean, it was 2014, so years ago now, but the Shima versus Shisa stuff like this got really over with at least the Western audience. I would like them to showcase this stuff a little bit more. I would like to see them do this in Tokyo for once because it seems like all of the good grappling matches are relegated to either a Prime Zone or just a smaller show uh, that still makes TV, I would really like a cork and haul, uh to house a match like this.
2: Absolutely. I went three and three quarters on this. I enjoyed it. I, it's something that I really thought that was, it, it lived up to my expectations. And, you know, ut getting a draw here pretty notable here especially with someone that against like someone like KZ that you would not normally have so i mean even though that was a draw that's a pretty big feather in ut's cap
1: yeah it's a it's a super big performance for him because unless i'm forgetting something maybe there's a triangle gate challenge in there somewhere but mike i don't really think ut has done anything worthwhile since returning from injury
2: Oh, you mean this time or you mean before he got injured <laughs> the, like in 2019 where he had, where, where in 2019 where it was the spring of of UT
1: No, I was I was referring to I guess when he returned he returned on that empty arena show and then right, got yeah. hurt again and then returned I think in August maybe and again maybe there was a triangle gate challenge where he wasn't really looked at as a focal point of the match but this yeah. was this was his biggest thing since probably the the spring of UT in 2019,
2: yeah, absolutely worth going out of your way to see. And then after that, we had Shuji Kondo and Takedo Kame versus the RED team of Kai and Diamante. Kai won with a medio impact in nine minutes fifty nine seconds on Takedo Kame. And boy, like this was another like I thought was a pretty like a uh, psychologically sound match, especially with the idea of. The fact that the RED heavyweights didn't want any part of Suji Kondo, so they basically isolated away Takedo Kame until he was able to do six drop kicks in a row. I counted six drop kicks in a row for the hot tag, and I thought this was a really smart three and a quarter star just uh, undercard tag match.
1: This is the first time that Takedo Kame and Diamante have wrestled each other. And I really liked their chemistry because it's pretty simple. Diamante is big and Kamea is small. And every interaction they have, at least in this match, was based on that ideology. And I thought they just mixed together really, really well. And the the one issue I have, and Mike, I don't know if this bugged you, but to jump ahead to what we saw in the post-main event angle... Did it bother you that they pin Kamei here? Because they kind of put themselves in a rock and a hard place where Kai is protected, Kondo's protected. They try to protect Diamante as much as possible, so that kind of leaves Kamei as the odd man out, but he was a focal point of the big angle later on in the show.
2: You know, I, I think this is going to be a role that he has in natural vibes going forward. So, you, you know, I would have loved to see like him somehow, because he's been getting, winning with the jackknife hold. I would have loved to somehow he got like a... Flashjack knife hold on someone on it would have, to have been diamante there even though diamante doesn't drop falls i would have loved that little bit of momentum going into it but i understand you know like i i do understand like thinking like he could have used this especially to propel him into getting selected into a unit but i i don't see a lot for him really changing other than the fact that his gimmick even unless they do like a crazy uh makeover for him his gimmick and natural vibes will be the plucky underdog who eventually falls right unless unless they think higher of him than ut and that's ut's role right
1: well that's a that's a good question to have is right now if you're putting the unit power rankings into into effect i'm assuming kz is one susumu is two horiguchi's three who do you have between UT and Kamei? Who, who would be, if you're booking a five-on-five match right now, who's that fall post going to be for Natural Vibes? I think it has to be Kamei right now. Okay. Well, according to the Gaiora site, which, you know, they've, they've got the... I think you can learn a lot from the way that they rank out their roster members, and it is KZ Horiguchi, Susumu, UT, and Kamei.
2: Okay, so, so their logic's the same as mine. Yeah. Yeah, I know, and it's something where uh, we'll get into more in, into the main event. But again, third straight match. Like Kame has not had a match in twenty twenty that or twenty twenty one that I've not absolutely adored. He's really it's something where his performance. I mean, it's understated in comparison to his classmates, but he's been solidly like being like a workhorse here, being like the plucky workhorse. And there's there's few things that I like more in wrestling case than a plucky underface uh, under uh, a plucky babyface. Who just will not go down without a fight. You know, he'll go out on his shield, and I think that that's something that I think will really help uh, Takedo Kame in his career, getting crowd, uh, just endearment for doing that.
1: Well, and he's still so fresh in his current role, and we're going to see a little bit of an update of that with Natural Vibes, and now he'll have new guys to team with. I mean, you can throw KZ, UT, and Kamei, in a trios match against anyone on this roster and they're going to make it entertaining, but we haven't really seen Kame mixed up with the masquerade crew. Like I said, this was his first match against Diamante. They did not touch each other at all in 2020. So yeah, the, the future is still so bright for this kid. And, and I, I think, I think you're right. I think he's going to play the fall post now, but I, I don't look at that. Like, I don't look at the booking here as a crime. It was something I raised an eyebrow at, but something I ultimately wasn't that upset with.
2: No, I, I'm totally with you on that. And then, pre-intermission case, it was for the, it was the third ever Royal Sambo, 13 man bow royal. Running down the participants real quick: Don Fuji, Yuzushi Kanda, Kanes, Super Shisa, Kagatora, uh, Konomai Chikawa, Sachi Hoka Boy, Gamma, Kota Minoura, Yosuke Santa Maria, Problem Dragon, Hyo, and Hip Hop Kakuda. And case they have to do something because Stalker Chikawa is the most powerful person in a battle royal since Kane as he <laughs> he didn't have to eliminate anyone this time, as as everyone eliminated themselves, and he was the thirteenth entrant. And he walked in, and they rang the bell, and they, they kept on playing the William Tell Overture. Konomao Ichikawa is three and zero in the Royal Sambo, and who could stop his reign of terror?
1: Look, this podcast network is known for standing and pacing in their dens. I was standing and applauding at the finish of this match. It's it's perfect, I, and I don't know what they. I don't know where it goes. I don't know what the next step in this equation is. I kind of just want Ichikawa to continue winning forever. I I don't know how they're gonna stop this.
2: And it's something where like we've seen like the this is completely divorced of any other context and promotion. So. Unless you're going to do something with this, and unless, like, the, 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 there's either one way that this ends. He either wins every single Royal Sambo until he stops doing it, or the entire, everyone stops and goes like, we're waiting for, we're, it, he's going to come in one time, and everyone who's in the ring is going to have to run over and beat the shit out of him and eliminate him. Like, like there's only two ways this it. end. It's either he becomes the greatest Battle Royal wrestler of all time, I don't care who is in the Cow Palace Battle Royals, it's Sakura Chikawa, or... They're going to have to like all unite forces, you know, and they're going to have to finally vanquish the Battle Royal Beast.
1: I love it. This finish, it just, there were two things on this show specifically that made me laugh really hard and it took me a second to figure out what exactly the finish was and then I got it and I just, I lost my mind. I was so, so entertained by it. It owns
2: it rocks. We stand our bow royal king on <laughs> open the voice gate. What we don't stand is the next match. It is an RED versus unaffiliated tag. It is BB B. Hulk and Kazma Sakamoto versus Masaki Mochizuki and his pupil Takashi Yoshida. Of course, if you for those who did not watch the Korkin show, which will be sadly off the network, I believe, by the time that this podcast comes out, uh Takashi Yoshida has been expelled from RED. He has asked once again for Misaki Mochizuki to team with him, and Misaki Mochizuki begrudgingly agreed. The fall in this match is BB Hulking, King, the final flash, and Takashi Yoshida in 12 minutes and 8 seconds.
1: I have a lot of patience with Dragon Gate booking, because I think, it's, I mean, obviously after the year they had last year, but over the last 15 years of their existence, uh, 15 plus, I think they've earned the right for me to be Patient with them and to let things play out, whereas other companies do not have that privilege. That being said, I need this story to get over with. I just, it's the right story to tell. I think you nailed it about a month ago when you said that the the finale is going to be Yamato and Kong versus Hulk and Kai. Hopefully it happens at Dead or Alive and not at Kobe World. That's That's the right story to tell. I hope they do that. I just hope they get to it.
2: Yeah, that's the only thing that, like, it does, and I think we're probably going to be looking at a Yamato, Dragon Kid, and Yoshida unit coming from this, in the unit shuffle, and it'll be a popular unit, it's just not going to do a lot for me.
1: Yeah, I I don't know if this is the show to have it, uh, this conversation. I'm just very intrigued by Yamato standing in the company right now, because he's... The de facto number one guy, I mean, even when Ben K beat Pac, where we thought maybe there was a chance that Ben K would kind of take that spot, and he didn't, Mike, I mean, to, to me, Yamato's still the guy, but we're, because of all of the youth in this company, and because of some of the booking, I mean, Yamato was a focus in unit warfare, but he was kind of in the second tier of, of guys that really mattered to that angle, it, we're just in a weird spot where it kind of feels like Dragon Gate has passed Yamato by and that's not an indictment on Yamato's talents at all but putting Yamato in a group with Cyber Kong and Dragon Kid who he's other than Junction 3 has never really had any interactions with Dragon Kid it's just weird he's just at a really weird stage in his career no it, it's something where
2: and he's still under the age of 40 and I don't think it's something where like for a, he's not like a ginky horror who is just, you know, like he's he's where he is now. This is, we're not having the night where that's backslide from heaven ever coming back. You know, like it's not like that and it's not like people like Gamma who was once the biggest heel in this promotion 15 years ago. It's something where I think that he will have his big run. So Yamato turns 40 in September. So he's 39 years old. Uh, it's just like, Maybe it, I think that the focus right now is so clearly on the young revolution that he will be fine. And if anything, it kind of gets him out of the microscope. So when he has that one last big run, you know, it'll become more impactful because then you'll have Yamato versus Shun Skywalker, uh, Yamato versus Ada. You'll have these big, you know, Yamato versus Kota Menor probably. And you will have that opportunity there. It's just that it's clear that he's in a multi-year down cycle. He's still the company ace. He's still the person who has his own cooking show on gay aura. Like <laughs> he, he is still the guy. And I don't like throwing company comps to it, but it's not dissimilar to when Hiroshi uh, Tanahashi took the step back, even though his performance, you know, like that, and and, and Yamato's in a lot better health than Hiroshi uh, Tanahashi is. It just seems like that he's just clearly being downcycled for a bit.
1: Well, I mean, you could even look within Drangate to find a similar comp, I think, in Mochizuki, where a lot of his career has been you know, big main event push followed by a few years on the downswing. The difference is that Mochizuki typically spends that downswing teaming with Don Fuji and having these excellent tag team matches where with Yamato, we're going to see him team with Takashi Yoshida and maybe they can turn back the clock to 2008 on, on, maybe more than one occasion and produce these killer tag team matches, but Yamato doesn't really have that trusty sidekick now that we're without Shingo. And now that Hulk is a heel, it's just, it's just a weird time for him. He, he really, I'm not going to say he doesn't fit in the promotion. Cause I really loved what Yamato did last year. I thought in ring, he had his best year in a few years in 2020, but this doesn't feel like the house that Yamato built anymore. This is this is like an entirely different company, and Yamato was just kind of there.
2: Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see, and especially like, like, Mochizuki's a good company, because Mochizuki would go do things in other promotions, as we've seen, like last year. Like, he was all over Noah. I mean, he's still technically a part of M's Alliance, though he hasn't been in on a Noah show since, I think, November. But, like, it is something where, like, it is a clear and noticeable thing and when we get to talk about unit shuffle in a little bit it'll be something that he is the biggest piece that will that that is the biggest factor in this shuffle so it'll be interesting the match itself i went two and three quarters this was okay like yeah, it, it existed no. it was nothing special it, it, it the the most amusing thing about this uh yoshida mochizuki pair is Yoshida's just really just creepy smile photos he posts and mochizuki all the time is like why do you have that weird smile? Why are you making Chonko this way? Like I'm enjoying that a lot more than I am the matches.
1: Yeah, I I yeah, I just need them to get to it. I would so much rather Mochizuki do something else with his time. Although again, this is the right story to tell. It's just I'm not super into this story.
2: That that is fair. That is fair. And then we had the main event. This was a Tea Trey Cup, three-way six man tag team match. Uh, T-Tray is a local custom shoes company who has sponsored Masato Yoshino's gear. The winners of this match got what I assume are three pairs of custom shoes, and I imagine that with the three people who won this match, there are going to be some pretty dapper-looking shoes. It was, a, it was an Elimination Falls roll, so this was a traditional Dragon Gate three-way match. The teams were Masquerade, Shun Skywalker, Jason Lee and La Estrella, R.E.D. Yamato Dragon Kid, I'm sorry, not R.E.D., just unaffiliated. Yamato Dragon Kid and kesuke Akuda, and the R.E.D. team was Ada, Kaido Ishida, and dia Inferno. The two falls were Ishida with a schoolboy on Jason Lee after an attack. And then there was a, and then the final fall was Kid with the Ultra Hurricane Rana on Inferno. And I wonder what kind of custom shoes dia Inferno would have got from T Tree if he won.
1: That is something I had not considered, but that is a great question. That is kind of one of those sliding glass doors moments that, you know, it's the butterfly effect. It could change the entire complexion of this company, depending on these shoes that Daya Inferno would have got for winning this match. But instead, Dragon Kid gets the win in a match that I went four stars on. I thought this was such an excellent way to close out Kobe Samba Hall and, you know, not to take another shot at this venue i know i said earlier that i wish uh maybe tokyo got a good grappling match every once in a while i really wish this match happened on a bigger show
2: yeah and like the the thing is with this match and the person that stuck out to me was Dai Inferno because it would be this big question about what was gonna happen with inferno with the fact that dragon Diaz is on the shelf he had his surgery he's out of the hospital don't have an eta on expecting his arrival Nine anytime soon it was the question of like what do you do with inferno and He kind of dialed back like the unmasking and the biting stick, and he just was a really solid base for the smaller guys on the match. And just was, I really enjoyed in front of this. I was a step down with you. I was three and three quarters, but all in all, the like all nine guys in this match rocked. The one thought I had other than this match is worth going away. Go see. They they must go through so many box lids and posts with because now this is the second straight show that they've broken the box lid.
1: I. Well uh, to to Diane for real quick I'll, I I I want to respond to that point where yeah I mean the person under the mask is an excellent wrestler so if he just wrestles like himself but drops the gimmick it makes sense that he's going to be able to hang with everybody in this match the thing that stuck out to me and I'm just it just warmed my heart seeing it cuz it's something that I said last year on the show this is going to happen for years now this is going to be what we're going to see anytime these two guys get in the ring which is when Ashita and Akuda had their moment in the match where they finally got their hands on one another. And they immediately just started throwing forearms at each other. And they picked up right where they left off at Kobe World. And it's just one of those things that I just love about Dragon Gate. We saw the same thing with Shingo and Hulk. We would see it at times with Shingo and Tozawa. We would see it with Doi and Yoshino. These guys are going to hit each other like this. They're going to do the Fry Takayama spot, up with forearms for the rest of their careers. And it's just going to warm my heart every time I see it.
2: Yeah, and Yamato and Okuda, remember how much we were enjoying that tag team? Yes. They were great here again, and maybe we can get Okuda in that unit. But yeah, this is an exceptional thing, and that, conclu- that concluded the wrestling aspect of the show. But Case, that wasn't it as KZ and Susumu and Kiki Horiguchi hit the ring. Ginki and Susumu had a match for Kyushu Pro where they had to take the bullet train for two hours to get there in time. They were all incredibly dapper as they were having an audition. If, for people who were kind of devoid of context, this was very much done like audition shows for like K-pop and J-pop groups So they were having like a full-on audition. But it was audition time. It was time to decide the new members of Natural Vibes.
1: Uh, Mike, I can't do this segment justice by all means. Uh, take the lead on this.
2: So I'm going to refer to there's a great account on Twitter, uh, Lorenzo Music Rec, who I strongly encourage for people who are getting the promotion to check out. He is someone who I believe is a I, I know he goes to Kyoto shows, but he is someone that goes to the shows. He tweets out translations and it's the it was just such like an insane moment. You had to go back to the network, but like the the big idea was that there were five people trying out for it? It was Takedo Kame, it was uh, Ut, it was Dragon Kid, it was No Managa, and it was Don Fuji. Ultimo came out and they tried to get Ultimo in the cycle. was like, "No, I just want this is going to be interesting. I just want to watch this." And he went, and, and the thing that uh, Lorenzo Music Rex said that really cracked me up was he, he says, "I'm not throwing my hat into the ring." And when Kiki tried to persuade him and then And then he said, "No, I just want to see what the hell Don Fuji is doing here." Ginky brought up the saying, "Hey, there's no way he' treat team of you could do this, and he's like, "I'm not treating Teaming of Dragon Kid again." No, no, And then he left now, which just cracked me up
1: I, I want to quickly note regarding Horaguchi and Susumu, who ended up making the show on time, there was some question as to you know whether or not they were going to be late, but they defended the tag team titles on that show. They're still the Kyushu pro tag team, uh, champions. Mike, do you know who they defended against on that show?
2: Oh, I imagine. Cause this was a big show for Kyushu pro. This was like a big, big show. Like they had like rented out a theater in Fukuoka to uh, do this. According so, uh, who to who cage match,
1: they drew 567 people to this show. Now. I don't know if that's true or not, them. but if that's true good for then them, good for them. Uh, the Kyushu Pro Tag Team Title Match on this show was the Natural Vibes pairing of Horiguchi and Susumu versus Alejandro of Wrestle One and OWE fame. So we get some lines blurred there, and uh, one of our personal favorites, Billy Kin Kid. Oh hell yeah, that rocks! That match sounds there. that match sounds really fun. It is not on their YouTube channel at the moment. Kyushu Pro typically does upload. At least some matches onto their YouTube channel for free. The main event of Ginki or Genkai rather versus Kumu Arashi is up on the YouTube channel. The tag team title match is not. If uh, if that pops up, I will throw it up on the Open the Voice Gate Twitter.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And given that we we have kind of a slow schedule for these next two months, we'll, we'll I'll definitely watch it and we can talk about it. But then we had the tryout. Takedo Kamei was very polite. He said he's been practicing very hard. Dragon Kid was Dragon Kid. And, if, and for anyone who's wondering why Dragon Kid is the way he is and why everyone's like, someone asked me, he's like, is Dragon Kid like a hidden heel? It's like, no, he's just the most exhausting person on the <laughs> roster. And we got to see that. And then UT, he was dancing his heart out for the first time. And I know there's like clips going around of like Kamei and UT doing the dance correctly and then Dragon Kid just like being a dickhead. And it was amazing.
1: The one spot that will be burned into my brain forever because when it happened, I didn't laugh. I yelled. I just, I i was, I, my body forced a sound out of me because I couldn't believe what I was saying. Was when Don Fuji was in the ring. And he attempted to do the Dragon Kid handstand on the turnbuckle post. Where Dragon Kid somehow makes a right angle with his body it's it's insane it's a it's an amazing feat of strength like i know mark henry is the world's strongest man but what dragon kid does is so much more impressive than pushing a truck and fuji tries to do that but he kind of just flings his feet into the air for half a second <laughs> <laughs> it it got me it's, it it really just melted my mind when i saw it it was it's so fucking funny Because it's like watching a toddler try to do it I mean Fuji had the same energy It was just awesome <laughs> Like he tried to do
2: like jumping splits on. So like <laughs> the, 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 They had they had the young agile guys In Dragon Kid do the full version of it Where Dragon Kid then it starts rowing the boat Doing like just break dancing stuff And then Punch Tomonaga Who is from a <laughs> dancing family just Just like intentionally Like just beefed it and, and while Don Fuji is half dancing and half doing sumo, like doing like traditional sumo dance, was like one of the more remarkable things. Like everyone's focusing on Dragon Kid, but the but the true sicko's choice is watching Punch Tamonaga and Don Fuji. I,
1: I I was kind of annoyed when this segment was announced because I was like, well, it's, I'm just not into the natural vibes thing. Now I have turned the corner. Now that I know who the new members are, and Mike made the point to me off air of hey did you notice how much natural vibes merch was in the crowd it's very unlike drangate to reboot a unit like this but as we've discussed quite, quite frequently on the show drangate is not above a paycheck so it seems like for the time being at least that natural vibes is sticking around and i was just so entertained by this segment that i really had no interest in watching going in but my god did it deliver and then some
2: yeah, so obviously the two new members of Natural Vibes are Ut and Takedo Kame, and I, I think we might be getting a Team Boku versus uh, Natural Vibes feud down the line just because of how angry Punch Managa has been, getting the short shrift, like, saying, like, no, we don't want you back, we don't want you back, but then they brought up the fact that they, they, they can't use his dad's dance studio anymore, which is a real fail failsun energy there from Punch Monaga. But now we have a full Natural Vibes version 2.0. Of course, it's the Triangle Gate champions, KZ, Susumiya Kosuka, KinKi Horikuchi, along with the new members, UT and Takedo Kamei. And the one thing that I'm like really sad about right now is I'm sad that Dai is out because I really want to see how a Masquerade versus Natural Vibes 10-man tag would be because that seems like that would be excellent to me.
1: Well, the one point that I forgot to make earlier in the show when we were talking about the Masquerade match is just how impressed... I am with this unit because, you know, there are there are units like Tri Vanguard or Dia Hearts or Over Generation that even if they have a concept going in, it, it doesn't necessarily have that cohesive unit feel that an Italian connection or a Blood Generation did. Masquerade is such a complete and total act at this point. The entrance is over. Their chemistry as either a threesome, a foursome, or a five sum, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, it is so top-notch. And in Dragon Gate, you know, I I don't know how much people know about this, but the matches are typically put together by the veterans. And the people that I've always heard that put together matches the best are typically Mochizuki and Horiguchi, who's a wrestling genius. And I would really like to know specifically who was sitting down with the young guys in masquerade and essentially telling what them telling them what they're going to do i don't I, the impression that i get is that you know if Mochizuki says here's what we're doing uh, shun skywalker even though he's the dreamgate champion is not necessarily butting up and saying ah, actually i have a different idea for a spot I, but whoever is putting together these matches I am so impressed by it because this looks like a unit that has been touring this act around the the country for a year now. And in reality, they've been teaming for just over a month.
2: Absolutely. And it'll be interesting to see how they how we have like interplay now with Masquerade with with like natural vibes with Masquerade. As we've seen if R.E.D., they've been excellent when they were facing off against Dragon Gate Generation, they felt the exact same way when they were brand new. Like, before they even had a name, those Hokkaido matches were awesome. So, it, it's remarkable, and it's something where now we're deep in the unit shuffle. We have one new unit out of it completed, and it still feels like, at least if you asked me, we have, like, this Yamato Dragon Kid tandem that is a little bit questionable that we'll see where that goes, and there's a lot of other people, uh, of course, like the Brave Gate champion, Keisuke Akuda. And then we have R.E.D. that still is kind of a little bit bloated. So what are you expecting to see for the rest of the month? I mean, they're off TV until the 31st in Fukuoka. Do you think that we're just pretty much going to be in a holding pattern until the big shows that we have coming up in, in Cork and on the
1: 5th? Yeah, I'm curious to see if all of this unit stuff gets taken care of before Champion Gate. I think that is kind of my cutoff because if they... I mean, if they do everything in February, that's great, but I think that that might feel kind of rushed unless something big happens on the Fukuoka shows that I, I don't anticipate because it's Fukuoka. I, so I'm looking at, hopefully, we have an idea of all of the units by Champion Gate, which is in early March. And I, I think the Yamato, Dragon Kid, uh, what is it going to be? Yoshida, Akuda, and then if Akuda's there, I, I've got to suspect Ben K's there, you right. probably need one more person in that unit to drop a lot of falls. I I don't have a good feel still still of what's gonna happen and when. Although we now have five natural vibes members and the the feel is certainly that natural vibes is going to continue just as they did two years ago. I can't rule out the possibility of a KZ heel turn. I think it's unlikely at this point, but not impossible and yeah, i just i i have no feel for the booking right now I, I feel like a lot of the generational warfare stuff made sense i could follow it easily even if some of my predictions were wrong i was still everything they did makes made sense i haven't had any issues with the booking this year i just we are with such a blank state blank slate still that i have no feel for how anything is going to go
2: yeah that's fair and i think that that's probably a good way to of- to segue into our closing thoughts and injury list and winner of the week, uh, the one person that you brought up like the idea that this Yamato uh, Dragon Kid unit could have someone in that would make a lot of sense is I've noticed that Sora Fujikawa is posting more on Instagram. Maybe he comes back and he could be someone that could be the fall post for a while.
1: That would be incredible. I mean, it would be a threat to the, to the husbands of Japan to put Yamato and Sora Fujikawa in the same unit but I think that's a risk you have to take Mike
2: yeah yeah and I think that's something that also you could probably get some more overness by proxy for uh Yoshida so injury list uh it was announced after the Cork and Hall show the second one that SB Kento was pulled from the weekend cards because of a back injury I think it was from that reverse cell. he's back already he made his homecoming show that was in Nagoya for both him and UT so SB Kento's off the list no news has come out from uh, from any of the long term injuries. I assume I haven't heard anything about Benke. I'm assuming Benke. They're just kind of just when when in, when they're ready to form that unit with Benke, he'll be back then. Unless you've heard anything about him.
1: No, I have not.
2: And then then you have the long term guys. Diaz out of the hospital. Doi had his surgery. As I was like looking at the surgery, I'd be stunned if is out past Champion Gate. I think we're probably looking at another two to four weeks for him and then you have the long-term guys i haven't seen anything with oji shiba at all but that's not uncommon for him i'm trying to think there's anyone else i'm leaving oh yeah uh masato yoshino is seeing a next specialist I, i forget where but it was the same one that takahiro yamamura went to before he came back with Owe. So, But he seemed like th- there was comments that he said that he was feeling better than he did last week. So it's just touch and go with Yoshino going forward.
1: And then Strong Machine J, I have also not yeah. heard an update on.
2: I have not, and that's not uncommon. He he goes to the ground, and he doesn't post a lot. And I haven't heard anything from people in the company. I I know he was at Final Gate. I do know that he was backstage at Final Gate. I can say that. Good. But uh, we, we don't know for that. But Case, okay, wrapping up the show... Uh, maybe you i don't know if i did a proper job of explaining next last week but we're going to keep track of who we thought was the mvp of the week who won the week last week i had uh jason lee as my winner of the week you had la Estrella. we only have one show to really pull from but case who would you have as your winner of the week
1: my winner of the week this week and i kind of i I, that's part of the reason i want to keep track of this is for these one show weeks or even these you know two show weeks when it's two smaller shows who was really stealing the spotlight on those occasions and for me this week it was ut
2: all right so we're on the same page for the first time i think it has to be ut i think that he had the standout performance against KZ and of course in the uh Natural Vibes audition he won the audition by far i think it has to be UT on this one and you know it's nice to see i'm happy for UT whenever UT is back and gets momentum i'm like heck yeah UT i'm glad to see it
1: again this Natural Vibes unit you know i i in theory i'm against it but also you've taken a unit that had punch tamanaga and brother yashi in it And you replaced them with Takedo Kamei and UT. So now there is literally no bad sounding natural vibes matchup. I can't be too upset about that. And UT, uh, assuming he stays healthy, is going to be a big part of the match quality output and natural vibes.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm just stoked to see these five guys in the ring together. Like, that's the, the, the thing coming out of this week. I'm like, all right we've talked about how it felt kind of like you're just hitting reset with natural Vibes, But I think that UT and Takedo Kamei add a lot. I'm glad to see Takedo Kamei get a, get into his first unit and not to have like all the young guys in REG. I'm glad that he's kind of forging his own path. And, and, you know, it's something that, you know, like we will always have our arched eyebrow towards KZ because he's the one person that does feel ripe for a heel turn if there ever was one, but natural vibes 2.0. I'm excited to see where it goes. And, You know, we have a yellow unit for the first time since Match Blanky. It's nice to see. It's nice to see, yeah. Case, anything else you want to hit on before we got out of here?
1: Uh,. I, I will plug over on the Pro Wrestling Torch website. I did another Greatest Wrestler Ever show with Alan Forel. We talked a lot about Brett and Owen Hart and my complicated feelings towards Brett as an in-ring performer. We talked extensively about Ricky Morton and Roderick Strong. I was really happy with the Roderick Strong conversation on that show because I think Roddy uh, someone that at, at this point, I think if you ask most people, they'd be like, yeah, Roderick Strong's a really good wrestler. He's had a nice little career. But he is someone that I feel like we have really underrated his entire career and undervalued just how talented he is. Alan and I had a great conversation about that. Uh, so that is over on the Pro Wrestling Torch VIP section
2: absolutely i love the shows when you and alan are together and i always get my my greatest wrestler ever binder together because i do have a binder for this because i'm taking this very seriously this is my first attempt and whenever you do the show i write down people i haven't considered and matches to go back and revisit and i give it my full uh recommendation as well thank you Yep, and that's going to do it for this week. It was a shorter week, It'll probably be another short week as we as your end gate does not return to the network until the uh, Fukuoka double shot in the month. But we'll find something to talk about next week. Maybe we'll be talking about Kyushu Pro. If Kyushu Pro <laughs> matches a, uh emerge we'll talk about that next week. You can follow case at underscore in your case. You can follow me at Fujiheya. And then the podcast account is at Open Voice Gate. That'll do it for this week on Open the Voice Gate. Take care.